Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Gavin, I don't care if we get pushback from people who practice magic. Those people are mentally ill. Ass. The following podcast contains... Like FU and, and, and S and stuff like that, and then MF and stuff like that. Those are not... Those are... Those, those are... Um, they're not, they're not words. Those are names of spirits. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you organize an occult task force to get your candidate more time in the debates, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, August 2nd, 2019, Uh Uh-Oh, It's Magic edition of the show, where we address the power of the mystic arts in politics. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Are You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Theodora's Political Thaumaturgy. A lot of political consultants will tell you they understand the voodoo of American politics, but only Theodora's will use actual voodoo to help you win. Not only voodoo, but all the arcane arts are yours to command. Chaos magic, Thelema, pagan mysticism, Santeria, necromancy. We would literally raise the dead to get them to vote for you. Theodora's political thaumaturgy is the answer to the dark art of money and politics. Our white magic specialist will take your campaign down the right-hand path, or if you're a Republican, our black art specialist will consort with any number of evil entities on your behalf. If politics is the art of persuasion, with Theodora's political thaumaturgy, the power is in our hands, and we are willing to use it for you. Use the promo code NOTAWITCH at checkout and get a free aura reading with any purchase of our spiritual magic package. If you think any of this wonkiness is going to deal with this dark psychic force of the collectivized hatred that this president is bringing up in this country, then I'm afraid that the Democrats are going to see some very dark days. We need to say it like it is. It's bigger than Flint. It's all over this country. It's particularly people of color. It's particularly people who do not have the money to fight back. And if the Democrats don't start saying it, then why would those people feel that they're there for us? And if those people don't feel it, they won't vote for us and Donald Trump will win. Back in 1983, a magician by the name of David Copperfield told us he was going to make the Statue of Liberty disappear. The Statue of Liberty, standing 305 feet high and weighing 450,000 pounds. And I was going to make her disappear. It was the 80s, you know, so entertainment options were pretty limited, and most of us only had the four channels if you counted PBS. Anyway, America tuned in to watch the most famous magician of our time perform his trick. I remember watching with my parents because I was fascinated by all things magic. Copperfield built these big-ass towers with lights and a stage out in front, and all the cameras were from the point of view of the audience pointed up to the well-lit Lady Liberty fresh off her renovation touch-up. Then Copperfield got up on stage, did some patter and flash, the lights went out, everything went dark, and a few seconds later, boom, the fucking Statue of Liberty was gone. Where the hell did it go? 
cue gas from the crowd and some more patter from Copperfield. And after a few minutes, the lights went out and again for a few seconds. And then when they came back, boom, Statue of Liberty back. Ostensibly, everyone was shocked and baffled by the power of Copperfield's magic. America was all like, I must be especially susceptible to its magic spells. But all I remember thinking was, uh, he just turned the stage. Because even then, I didn't believe in magic. I mean, for all, I played an elven magic user as my regular player character. I didn't believe in magic. And no one seemed to be pointing out how obviously dude just turned the stage when the lights were out and the people in the audience lied about it. Occam's Razor, you've ever heard of it? Years go by, literally decades go by, and suddenly somebody says, you know, let's figure out how David Copperfield did it. You know what they found out? Do you know how he pulled off the entire thing? The whole fucking stage just turned to the right just enough to hide the fucking statue. That is so disappointing. Technically difficult to pull off to be sure, but magic, it ain't. Because magic isn't magic. It's distraction and illusion. And as everyone knows, there is no such thing as real magic. Unless. What if, just what if, pod friends, there is magic. Like the real thing. You know, not magic that ends with a C, but magic that ends with a K. You high? A little bit, yeah. Now bear with me for just a minute. Open your mind. And let me ask you this. What if a candidate were to tap into the power of chaos magic and use it to run for political office? What if someone had already had done this and their name was Donald fucking Trump? And you are high as a kite yet again. Oh, I hear you rolling your eyes all the way out there from here in the studio through the streams of time and space since you're actually hearing this an unknown amount of time for me saying it. But again, that's the power of magic. The reason, if I could be said to have reasons for talking about the things I talk about that I'm talking about this, is when Marianne Deborah Williamson is a candidate for the Democratic nomination to be president. Of America. Of America. Of, as they say, America. This is clearly absurd in every measurable standard, but it's 2019 and absurd is just another Thursday. So if you, like I, have wondered who the fuck Marianne Williamson is and why she thinks she can be president, allowed me to podjucate you on this fringe, yet not fringy enough, person. Born in 1952, Marianne is the youngest of three children of Samuel and Sophie Ann Williamson of Houston, Texas. Her youth, described in an L.A. Times article from 1992, was fairly standard late-era Hitler hippie. Quote, the spoiled child of a Houston immigration lawyer, she dropped out of college in her junior year and roamed around the country, leading into a dissolute life as a singer, cocktail waitress, office tip, and bookseller, and getting involved in a series of unhappy relationships. She was married once, she says, for about a minute and a half, unquote. She ran a metaphysical bookstore and coffee shop in Houston before decamping for Los Angeles in another move so achingly 70s it should be wearing a pair of bell bottoms. In L.A., she honed her new age skills in the height of the 1980s and began lecturing on A Course on Miracles, a 1976 book which purports to get the reader to achieve, quote, spiritual transformation by the act of simply gaining full awareness of love's presence in one's life, unquote. That's true. Drug talk. 
Probably, because from her Wikipedia entry, quote, according to a 1992 Skeptical Inquirer magazine article by Mike Martin Gardner, she was, quote, mired in a series of unhappy love affairs, alcohol and drug abuse, a nervous breakdown, and endless sessions with therapists, unquote. This article also reported on Williams' professed fringe beliefs, including that the voice described in A Color of Miracles came from Jesus, and that, quote, nothing occurs outside of our minds, unquote, and that, quote, sickness is an illusion that does not actually exist, unquote. In 1992, she published her first book, which spent 39 weeks at number one on the New York Times bestseller list, titled, quote, A Return to Love, Reflections on Principles of a Course in Miracles, unquote. The book says, honestly, who gives a shit what it says? I read some of the entries and some of the wisdom of the pages in the form of a conveniently packaged quotes, all of which are the kind of mindless aphorism that dominate the new age mumbo jumbo market by pairing grandmotherly advice with some fucking crystal healing bullshit. And that's so that sold like fucking gangbusters in the early 90s when we were yearning for something to wean us off the hangover of the late 1980s moral majority Reaganite binge of superficial success. Trust me, I lived through peak crystal power and it is every bit as fucking shallow and as annoying as you imagine it was even more so because it was everywhere in pop culture thanks in no small part to people like williamson and none other than the same person who gave us dr phil dr oz and a slew of other fast buck fucking hucksters and two big charlatans like marianne williamson we're talking about oprah right <laughs> yeah i'm talking about oprah Oh, we owe Oprah so much. You are on dangerous ground here. Yeah, I know that speaking out against Oprah is not wise, but look at the people she's responsible for giving us, for God's sake. The blasphemy, the arrogance. William Sidwick go on to write 13 books, selling over 3 million copies over the years. More importantly, she became the darling of spiritual Hollywood. From the previous LA Times article, quote, Anthony Perkins, Leslie Ann Warren, Tommy Toon, Cher, and Roy Schneider go to her lectures. David Geffen and Sandy Gallen listen to her on tape and have sought her private counsel. She lunches with the likes of Barbara Streisand and Don Steele. And last summer, she officiated at the wedding of Elizabeth Taylor and Larry Fortensky. Her sense of spirituality triggered my own, said the bride through a spokesman, unquote. You know, you have really made it when you are one of the literally hundreds of people who have performed a Liz Taylor wedding ceremony through the literally hundreds of Liz Taylor wedding ceremonies. I mean, they only had one about every six fucking months for most of her life, but still a very selective list. Now, I don't want to paint an entirely negative portrait of Mary Ann, who may be a wacko, but from what I can tell, a moderately benevolent one if you ignore her views about science and medicine and all these other sort of things and the fact that she peddles bullshit religion. But so many people do that, and I don't think we should hold them against them just because we would hold things against so many people. And when you compare her to so many others like her, to date, none of her followers have committed mass suicide by drinking cyanide lace flavor aid in a South American jungle compound. So I got that going for me, which is nice. She's donated and advocated for HIV research going all the way back to the 80s when no one would even say the word AIDS. She's been a staunch women's advocate, including providing workshops for women running for political office. She co-founded the Peace Alliance, a nonprofit gra grassroots education and advocacy organization and focused on increasing U.S. governmental support for 
peace-building approaches to domestic and international conflicts. She also lobbies and fundraises for poverty eradication, both locally and internationally. And starting in the winter of 2018, when she was obviously running up for president, she began touring the United States as part of her Love America tour, discussing how she believes a revolution in consciousness paves the way for both personal and national renewal. So I would be wrong to say that she is entirely malevolent or self-interested and greedy, but I would also be wrong to say that she wasn't. If I were a petty-ass bitch, I could talk about her temper, which has alienated high-powered allies and then caused organizations to break ties with her over the years. I mean, it's bad enough that Williamson herself called herself a bitch for God in national media. That sounds awful. But I'm not going to be that petty because on one hand, it's a trope that the kind of trope that people used to attack women running for political office like they did with Amy Klobuchar at the beginning of her presidential run. And on the other hand, unlike Amy Klobuchar, there's no plausible way Marianne Williamson will get any closer to the White House than Camp David, where she did get to when she met Bill and Hillary Clinton in the mid-1990s. There's no word on whether she gave them any advice for keeping love in their lives, which honestly she probably didn't need to. Because Bill had figured it out, except for the problem that it was anybody but with Hillary. So why have I spent the past five minutes talking about Marianne Williamson? Well, she's in the news, and after the debate performance, making reference to her might be good for a couple of downloads, and she's attracted a certain amount of attention, and even became a meme in her own right, what with that Hepburn accent, eerily youthful features, and oddly compelling stage presence and this week i think i discovered why this wildly unqualified and utterly absurd person is being discussed by anyone and it goes back to as all good rituals should the beginning of the podcast that's right magic spelled with a k magic i believe that marianne williamson through her followers, is practicing a form of magic ritual that is influencing the rest of us to take her ridiculous candidacy seriously and that she's doing so because when you really think about it, that is exactly what Donald Trump did in 2016, and it worked. Is that what happened? Because that makes no sense. Oh, really? Well, listen to this. And then tell me it didn't happen. From a Washington Post article dated July 31st, quote, There were two distinct audiences for the Democratic primary debate on Tuesday. People who tuned in to see a long roll of aspiring presidents snipe at one another over policy differences. And those who wanted to watch the orb queen Mary Ann Williamson resonate frequencies of love into the universe. Some of them who formed what they described as an occult task force to get Marianne more airtime on Tuesday's debate. The person organizing the occult task force, who spoke on the condition of anonymity to speak more freely about the task force, said a group of 13 chaos magicians, witches, and energy workers wrote performing synchronized gestures to help Williamson get airtime on Tuesday's debate and the race to follow. The whole Orb Gang community is tapping into the power of memes to reflect back on and multiply the sort of pulsing undercurrents of our collective unconscious, the person wrote in an email, unquote. Williamson spoke for a sum total of nine minutes on Tuesday's debate compared to, well, actually, no one really thought to time her amount on the first debate because she spoke so little because she was only asked the one question. So it worked. What? 
is chaos magic? And how did it get Marianne Williamson more speaking time at the debates? This is going to get complicated. So strap in, smoke a bowl, and hang the fuck on. Starting simple from the Wikipedia entry, quote, Chaos magic, also spelled chaos magic with a K, is a contemporary magical practice. It was initially developed in England in the late 1970s, drawing heavily from the philosophy of artist and occultist Austin Osmond Spare. Sometimes referred to as success magic or results-based magic, chaos magic claims to emphasize the attainment of specific results over the symbolic ritualistic, theological, or otherwise ornamental aspects of other occult traditions. Chaos magic has been described as a union of traditional occult techniques and applied postmodernism, particularly a postmodernist skepticism concerning the existence of a knowability of objective truth. Chaos magic magicians subsequently treat belief as a tool, often creating their own idiosyncratic magical systems and frequently borrowing from other magical traditions, religious movements, popular culture, and various strands of philosophy. Early leading figures include Peter J. Carroll and Ray Sherwin. Those are just words. Okay, I sense I'm losing some of you here, so let me try this explanation from, uh, from an article from Specularian.com called Chaos Magic in a Nutshell. Quote, where P-Psi means the probability of accomplishing something with magic and P equals the probability of the event's natural occurrence and Psi equals the amount of magic applied to the situation. Spell refers to enchantment to encourage something to happen and anti-spell means enchantment to prevent something from occurring. In divination, P simply represents the probability of guessing the answer by chance alone. The equations of magic give rise to three-dimensional graphs, the first of which, traditionally known as the tripod of Stochasticos, shows that an event with zero probability of natural occurrence can occur under the influence of sufficient magic. Oh, that I can answer, because in magic, if you use simple and easily understood words that made sense to everyone, you'd be ridiculed and mocked not only by those of us who know that it's utter bullshit, but also by the cool people who practice magic who will call you a fake and a wannabe. And you will never, ever get laid after the ritual circle talking like that. This guy's going on my poser tumbler. Fine. You want the chaos magic for dummies edition. Here it is. To perform chaos magic, you need to have a desired goal, perform a ritual in furtherance of that goal, and to believe in your power to make that goal happen. And I hear you all out there say, but Dave, isn't that basically the tenet of the book? The secret? Yeah, basically it is the same thing as that shitty self-help book, The Secret. Chaos magic is slightly more involved from what I understand about it and The Secret because I've really never wasted a scintilla of brain space on that nonsense and actually regret knowing as much as I do know about both topics. But essentially, chaos magic is goal plus ritual plus belief. Now this is how it was explained to me from the guys on the last podcast on the left who I don't think believe necessarily in magic, but they believe in it somewhat more than I do. So I commend you to their episodes, Chaos Magic's episodes one and two. Just Google it or use magic to find it, whatever. Say, I've decided that I need to get up the nerve to create a new podcast and I want to use Chaos Magic to do it. So my goal is stated as something like, in six weeks, I will conceive of and produce a new podcast. And I commit myself to performing rituals towards that goal. Now, the rituals could be chanting, meditation, sigils, trances, 
burning incense, drawing esoteric symbols. And I do all of these things nightly while consistently focusing on the goal for the prescribed six weeks. But it doesn't need to be like that. I could have a ritual of something as simple as each night I sit quietly and think about my new podcast, what it might be about, what I want to say, who I want on it, how I could record it. And, for, and I do that for that six weeks. Many practitioners of chaos say that writing out your goals and then creating a sigil to represent that goal and focusing on that as part of your ritual is extremely helpful. But again, not required. But most importantly, you need to believe that it will work. That is what the rituals are to are, are for. They are to focus you on helping you believe your goal will actually happen. And if you are focused and disciplined and perform your rituals at the end of six weeks, you will have a new podcast. And that's it. That's really all there is to it. Goal, focus on the goal through ritual and believe it will happen and it happens. That's chaos magic. Now, bigger goals require bigger rituals and longer periods of performance. The magician needs to understand that altering reality takes time and power. And by going alone, big changes can take a long time. Like if you want to make a billion dollars, you can't just chant, I want a billion dollars for six weeks. Now, there is a way around this, however, and that's by performances of mass rituals. Multiple magicians with the same goal performing the same rituals and believing in the same goals, and seriously believing that they will happen. Thus, we come back to the Occult Task Force and Marianne Williams' nine minutes of Tuesday's debate. Easy peasy. You are mentally deranged. Oh, oh, am I? Then explain this Marianne Williamson's quote from her very own Facebook page, Magic is when you tell the universe how you want it to serve you. Miracles is when you ask how you can be of service to the universe. Marianne Williams is a chaos musician and using her power and the power of her followers to perform ritual magic to enhance her performances in the debates and sway people into believing she could be president. That she even appears on the debate stage at all is testament to the power of her rituals. Unless you think that I am alone, that I'm just making this shit up, <laughs> then pod friends, rest assured, I am not, because I quote to you now from ExposingSatanism.org. Quote, I have already posted an article about this Jezebel here. New age witch Marianne Williamson, looking into 2020 presidential run. It establishes her connection to two of her fellow practicing witches, Hillary Clinton and Oprah Winfrey. Do not be deceived by these hounds from hell, folks. She is very deep into black magic, unquote. And if you don't think that that's from a reliable source, that website ended in .org, so you know it's true. Remember how I told you Marianne Williamson got her start lecturing in something called A Course in Miracles? What if I told you that A Course in Miracles is nothing more than thinly disguised chaos magic dressed up in some quasi-religious symbology? You're mad. Absolutely mad. From A Course in Miracles, Chapter 23, Part 2, The Laws of Chaos. The laws of chaos can be brought to light, though never understood. Chaotic laws are hardly meaningful, and therefore out of reason sphere. They appear to be an obstacle to reason and to truth. Let us then look upon them calmly that we may look beyond them, understanding 
that they are not what they would maintain. It is essential it be understood what they are for, because it is their purpose to make and yet govern nothing, and need not be broken, looked upon, and gone beyond. They maintain that each is separate and that each different set of thoughts that turn them from others. The principle they evoke from belief is there is a hierarchy of illusions, some more valuable and therefore true. Each one establishes this for himself and makes it true by his attack on what another values. And this is justified because the values differ and those who hold them seem to be unlike and therefore enemies. The second law of chaos, dear indeed to every worshiper of sin, is that each one must sin and therefore deserves attack and death. This principle closely related to the first is that a man that errors call for punishment and not correction. For the destruction of the one who makes the error places him beyond correction, beyond forgiveness. What he has done is thus interpreted as an irrevocable sentence upon himself, which God himself is is powerless to overcome. Sin cannot be remitted, being in the belief that the Son of God can make mistakes for which his own destruction has become inevitable. That's legit. Look it up. Google the laws of chaos and a course for miracles. I did not make up a single word in that. I did condense a sentence or two, but only for dramatic effect. Goal, ritual, belief. That's it. The belief is the part, the thing that makes chaotic magic work. And does it work? I don't know. You want proof, solid, irrefutable proof that chaos magic can make it can elevate someone to the heights of power and influence to everyone despite everyone knowing they were wildly unfit for it? Are you going to make me do it? You are, aren't you? Fine. The only possible way that one Donald John Trump could be president of the United States is that he is one of the most powerful chaos magicians who has ever lived. Check, please. (laughs) I'm not saying that Trump himself was sitting in Trump Tower doing ritual magic every night through the election. No, 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 no. It's deeper than that. Because everything about Trump's life was a ritual in pursuit of his single-minded goal to the exclusion of everything else. And that goal was power and influence. Everything he did is a ritual. The horrible gaudiness of style and apparel and decor. The women he pursued, or as you and I would say it, assaulted. His constant media whoring. His willingness to embrace anyone or anything in ruthless pursuit of power and influence. His father's wealth financed the most powerful ritual working in chaos, magic, history. The elevation of a vain and insignificant man through the stratas of society and finally politics. And through it all, he maintained a singular, unwavering, illogical belief, which (laughs) is very important if you are doing chaos magic, that he deserved it 
all. And then when he ran for president, he was able to harness the power of his followers, thousands of them at a time, in mass rituals the like not seen since Adolf Hitler, another more powerful, I would argue, than Trump, natural chaos magician, to sway just enough people to the belief that he should be president, and he won, despite almost everyone, including his followers, believing that he never could. That is fucking magic. So why in the world wouldn't a lesser magician like Marianne Williamson not believe that she might be able to do it too? I mean, her life has been spent doing the ritual to gain influence and power among the wealthy and gullible. So if I were in her shoes, I would take my shot as well. Now, she's nowhere near the magician Trump is, and certainly not the one that Hitler was, But she, because she just lacks the mental illness that, and the sense that makes their sense of entitlement so amazingly powerful. And trust me, mental illness is not fucking a bad thing if you are working chaos magic. Indeed, it's kind of, kind of necessary. But she's better versed in the rituals of chaos. So who knows? We may yet see President Williamson and Vice President Paltrow sworn in on the steps of the Capitol in 2021. You know, if you believe in that sort of thing. Which, of course, I don't. And that's why, for all my knowledge of chaos magic, I can't do chaos magic because I lack belief. No matter how many rituals I could practice, I would never be able to silence that little voice in the back of my head that keeps whispering, he just moved the stage. Because in my heart, I know it's all a trick. Illusion, Michael. Mm. Trick is something a whore does for money. Or cocaine. Because all politicians utilize the tenets of chaos magic to a certain degree, the goal, the ritual, and most of all, the belief from the masses. Some use white magic of politics to make the world a better place. Who knows? Maybe Marianne's one of them. I don't think so. But other goes down, others go down the dark path like Trump. Either way, they all use the illusion to gather belief and transfer it into votes. And a lot of people are gullible enough to never question how the statue disappears, only that when they looked, they couldn't see it anymore, and never once asking how that was possible, accepting only that it appeared to be. And while some small number of us sit here trying to understand how the illusion was done and whipping out Occam's razor to arrive at the solution requiring the least speculation, people want to believe in the illusion, sometimes for noble purposes, like I want to believe that Liz and Liz Warren, or worse purposes, like hell, anyone who believes in Donald Trump. And it's the belief that powers their magic. Well, that and an awful lot of really stupid fucking people, because when it comes down to it, there is only one real magic in the universe, and that is the inescapable and irrefutable magic of fucking stupidity. And it is what? That politics in this country, in this dumb fucking country, run on. That is it for our show this week. Like how I did that, snuck in some politics along with some just some weird shit that I'm interested in. That's the stuff that's keeping me sane during the long, dark night of 2019. And honestly, did cable TV meatheads not learn anything from 2016? Stop putting Marianne Williamson on TV, period. She won't be president, but she can still spread dumb and dangerous ideas. Fucking positive thinking, curing diagnosed mental illnesses. That shit is insane. Yeah, because Ed Gein could be helped by the power of positive thinking. Speaking of positive thinking, 
I'm using a chaos ritual right now to uh, get you to rate and review this show wherever you uh, get your pods because uh, this will bring more magicians into my ritual circle. All of my sigils are on Twitter at the hell underscore podcast, and each of the magic workings that I've created can be found at the show name on SoundCloud and at whatthehellpodcast.com. So for me, Dave, Mr. Crowley, what went down in your head, Bledsoe, producer, did you talk to the dead Gavin, and all the fictional people on this show waiting on Satan's call, we want to say just a little magic. It's got a hold on you. And that's how Rick Kokasik got a hot model girlfriend in the 80s. We'll see you all next week. for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.